Thank you, Chad. Hey, and thanks everybody for coming and being with us today. Glad to have you back. And I'm glad to be back as well. If you have been traveling and uh, you are on the road because of the 4th of July holiday weekend, we are thankful that you are here. Uh, we did not disfellowship a fourth of our congregation over here. I promise they're still with us. Uh, this is camp weekend and many of our teens and their families are there in Pisgah, Alabama at camp to know him. They'll be getting back uh, around lunchtime or so tomorrow, but we are glad that uh, you are here. Whatever your plans are, man, we are, we're thankful that you've stopped in. We hope that this is going to be a blessing for you today. Let me first, let me first get started uh, by saying thank you. All right, I think I need to, um, to begin there. I need to say thank you for understanding the need and the benefits of the preacher getting some rest and some time away. I resisted the wisdom and advice from, from many of you who through the last few years have come to me and said, Chris, uh, 25 plus years is a long time to be in ministry without a break. And I would listen to what you said and I would shake my head and go, yeah, that's right. But you know, there are a lot of engineers and doctors and nurses. I mean, they, people that have had jobs for 25 plus years and they don't necessarily get a lot of, of break time either. And John Wayne never took breaks, and if John Wayne didn't take breaks, why should I take a break? However, since 2020, there have been a lot of anxiety-producing events in my life, and I know I'm not alone in this, so please, please hear me as I, as I talk, and I'm not just speaking, I know for myself. Um, but I began to notice that during this last year, all the different stressors and demands and expectations that come with with trying to encourage and lead a community of faith coupled with just family changes and life changes that were going on uh, within the Barnett household they all just began to take more and more of an impact and honestly my creativity has just been shot all right, the thought of preparing messages and in teaching weekend and week out, it, it became more paralyzing than it was actually invigorating. And, and it got to be where I was looking forward to when anybody might say, hey, would you like for me to preach for you this Sunday? And I'd be like, yes, that'd be awesome. And maybe you thought the same thing. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I've never been that way before. And so that was, that was, a, new, that was a new feeling. And you know what, beyond that, my ability and even my desire to engage with and, and walk alongside of you and your family with empathy during the ups and downs of life was just, well, it was extremely lacking. And I, now look, I, I was not and I am not considering leaving my role here at, at East Brainerd or, or leaving my ministry in general, but the fact of the matter is, I have just not been on the top of of my game and so being away for a few weeks I thought and I prayed would be able to to help just re-energize in some ways you know true sabbaticals I've been told are like three months in in length but I think a few weeks I think a few weeks has been all right just being able to have a few weekends free to where I didn't have to perform or I didn't have to kind of be on if that makes any sense to you it allowed me to have opportunities where I could take a weekend trip with my son without having to rush home that weekend. It allowed me not to just be mentally absent on 
Saturdays or, or Fridays when knowing that Sunday was coming or to, to always have to be checking my, my text messages or my emails to see maybe what was happening within our, our congregation. And it allowed me just to be able to attend a Sunday more than gathering as a participant and actually to become lost in, in worship. And that was, that was great. It was great to be able to feel like, like hopefully you get to feel each and every Every week, I, um, I, I had forgotten what that was like as over the years, being a part of this role in ministry, sometimes it, it just becomes, it, it's a job. Not, not what I'm doing necessarily as a job, but being here on Sundays with you, it's not necessarily a time of worship, but it's a, it's a job. So over the last few weeks, I took some time away. And I appreciate greatly your texts and your cards and your prayers. And man, I'm so grateful for Travis Sharp being able to step onto this stage as I was stepping off. And I, I'm so thankful that he is such an exceptional teacher. And I'm thankful for his heart. And, and I'm also thankful that our church family was able to benefit from him sharing about discipleship. And if you were like me and you were kind of traveling around, I hope that you pulled up his message on our podcast or maybe you tuned in on the weekends on EB Live and you were able to watch and, and, and just be blessed by that, by his series on Costly Grace. If you weren't able to participate in that, I encourage you to catch up. Go to our website, eastspringerchurch.org, and, and find that series, Costly Grace. I know you'll be, you'll be blessed by it. Uh, but I'm back today because Tanya told me that people were beginning to talk since she was here each Sunday without me. And so I come back, and she's not here. <laughs> I mean, that, that is true. She's, she is in Alabama taking care of her mom, who's recovering from hip surgery. And um, she's not going to be here next week either. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. She, she's not going to be here next week either. But I promise that we will be back together soon. Um, it's great to be back with everybody. I didn't truly just take a, a full escape from preaching during uh, this, this last month. Last Sunday, I actually preached at the congregation where some 28 years ago, they first called me preacher. And as I looked out over that small gathering, it began to uh, occur to me just how much things have changed since 1995. You guys remember that year, 95, right? I know, for some of the younger ones in the room, I'm dating myself, but... In 1995, gas was $1.15 a gallon. Yeah, it was. $1.15 a gallon. Toy Story, number one, was out in theaters. Braveheart took home the Academy Award for Best Movie. Hootie and the Blowfish, they won the Grammy for Best New Artist. <laughs> and now they have reunion tours. Michael Jordan returned to basketball. You might remember he took a little time off to, to play baseball. He returned to basketball in 1995. If you were watching TV, ER, Seinfeld, and Friends, they were all the rage. And ladies, if you were watching Friends, many of you were asking for the Rachel haircut. In 1995, get this, 7 million people subscribed to an online computer service in order that they could get something called internet. Yes, yeah, 7 million people, and you had to subscribe to a certain service, right? So compare that then to the fact that 57 million people watched the O.J. Simpson trial in 1995. And you begin to see just how 
times they have changed. It was the world that was. It truly, truly, that's the case. It's the world that was. I'm not talking about the good old days, because for everybody it wasn't necessarily that good, but it was for the most part days where there was still a shared value system. It's what Peter Berger called a sacred canopy. You see, there was this understood way of just how the world was going to work. There, there was an agreement, there was an expectation on how things were going to work in school, how things were going to work in the family, how things were going to work at church, how things were just kind of have, kind of go with society. 1995, in, in the world that was mirrored in a large way, 1985. In 75 and, well, 65, if you guys can remember the 60s, you weren't there. So, uh, that, that was a different time period, but, but altogether, that, that canopy, it was there, that sacred canopy of expectation, and it was the world that most of you were born into. Now look, there was always change that was going through during all the different decades, and there was change in styles of clothes and, and taste in music, and there was change in philosophy and politics, but there were no real paradigm shifts where it just seemed like one day you woke up and the whole world was in some type of dystopian movie that you had read about or you had seen and, and now you were witnessing and you did not know how to act and what to do. The world that was. But then we had the dawning of a new century. The computers did not shut down, the lights did not go off, and everyone had celebration parties that New Year's Eve of 2000. But then came 9-11, the internet expanded and boomed. Smartphones, social media, a decentralization within our culture began to take place. In a new world, the world that is began to dawn for us. And all of a sudden things and society and, and just people, well, they just seemed different. And we couldn't understand why. We couldn't understand it. We couldn't really put our, our, our finger on it. We knew that something was different, but we just could not understand why. Maybe it was because we were just getting older, and therefore we were just getting crankier. Because something happens. There's this parallel between the older I get and the more crankier I become, right? My grandmother used to say that once you hit 80, you can say whatever you're thinking. Now, I think over time that has been moved back to around 60. That's what I've determined. Millennials blame the boomers, boomers blame the millennials, and well, now everybody just blames Gen Z. And then came 2020. 2020 comes and you have COVID shutdowns, hospitalizations. Not only hospitalizations, but TV stations and news networks that would have running tallies of hospitalizations for you just to know how bad everything was around the world in the country. And if that wasn't enough, let's put up a category for all the deaths coming from COVID. In the midst of all that, we went through a political season of great fervor and passion and upheaval. There was change. In fact, it has been said now that 
societal change that would normally take 10 to 15 years to be accomplished and for people to be able to work through. Societal change that would normally take 10 to 15 years all converged at one time into the calendar year of 2020. And now we measure time in BP and AP before pandemic and after pandemic. We live in what some call a liminal space. It's a space that's in between. It's a, it's a gray zone, as some define it, where what was and what is now begin to converge into one space. We haven't fully left the space that we are accustomed to. We're, we haven't really stepped into the space, into where we're going, and it's like we are in well, it's like we're in a doorway. Let me demonstrate it like this. So I come to this doorway, and as I stand here, I can put one foot in one world and one foot in the other. As I stand here in this doorway, I've got one foot in the world that was, the world that made sense, the world that was ordered, the world that I was born into, the world that my parents were born into the world that I received my education in, the world that all the foundations of my life were planted in. That is the world that one leg is standing in, and it is on the other side of this doorway. But I am also, with, with one leg, I am standing here, and I have a foot in a new world, a new world that doesn't necessarily make sense, a new world that seems to be ordered differently, a new world where people act strangely and make different decisions and, and, and have a different whole world view of the way that things are supposed to act and the way things are that are supposed to go. But notice, I am not truly in either world. I'm just in the doorway. I'm in liminal space. I'm in that space that's in between. I have enough in the old world to, to know that this new world is different. And enough in this, in this new world to know that I, I don't understand what's taking place because it feels like I don't belong. I'm Linus without a blanket. I'm Linus when his blanket is put into the dryer and now I have to wait and now I have to wonder, when do I get my blanket back? And I, I am uncomfortable by that feeling. And many of you, you have been uncomfortable over the last few years, maybe even the last decade, and you've wondered, where is this anxiety coming from? And why do I feel the way that I do? It's because you're in the doorway. Guys, we are leaving one paradigm, one way of seeing the world, and one way of the world and society organizing itself and, and, and acting. And we're moving through that doorway into a new era, into a new time, into a new space. And because we are uncomfortable with that, we become unsure with what it is that we're supposed to do next. And so that lizard brain of ours, as it's sometimes called, kicks in. That fight, flight, or freeze, all those emotions begin to take over because we do not know what to do. And maybe you've noticed that. 
Maybe you've noticed in your own life that you have just seemed to be frozen over the last few years. You don't really know what to say and what conversations are, are, are okay now and, and what things should just be kept, kept quiet and what should I put online, what should I not, what should I wear, what should I not wear, where are the places that I should go. If I do this, does this mean something that I don't know that it means? If I use these words, does it really signal something that I did not intend? And so you just freeze. Or, or maybe you're just angry. Maybe you've become angry because of the different changes that you've ta seen taking place within our society over the last few years. And that, that passion just begins to, to boil up in you because you like the world that was. And that was the world that you've been accustomed to. It's the, again, the world that you were born into. And you don't want to go into a new era. You don't want things to be different. And so by golly, I'm just going to gonna put my foot down and, and I'm going to pound on something. I'm going to shout and I'm going to yell and I'm just going to throw my tantrum and I'm going to throw my fit in every single area of my life because I'm not happy. Or maybe for some of you, you just run away and you just retreat. Uh, our society allows that actually. It does. It's the reason that I listen to 80s on 8 when I'm in my car. Yeah. Go back and catch a little REO speed wagon, you know, a little Van Halen, poison. I can retreat, and I can just listen to only, mu only music from the 80s. And, and you can do the same thing on different channels and, and different things that you listen to or, or different now screens that you watch. You can have certain subscriptions online where you only get certain types of news feeds so that you only, only hear the things that you like and only hear the things that you agree with and you only hear the things that, 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 that build up your position and your points and, and you can just retreat into your own little space and then you can go and find different groups of people that, that have your similar beliefs and, and, and live similarly as you do and, and you can just retreat into that space because you're standing in the doorway and you don't know what to do. When the earliest days of Christianity, the believers in Jesus as the Messiah found themselves in a similar situation. They were in a similar threshold. They had, we're told in Acts chapter 2, devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and, and to fellowship and to sharing meals and to prayer with one another. They met and they worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in one another's homes. They shared the Lord's Supper. They, they shared meals. There was great joy. There was generosity. And all the while they praised God. And they enjoyed the goodwill and the favor of all the people. That was the world that, that they were in. But then everything changed. Everything changed when we're told in Acts chapter 8 that a persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. All of a sudden, the world that was began to fade into the distance. The world that is, they did not know what to expect, and they were in that in-between point. They fled their homes. They gave up their businesses. They were separated from their family and friends. They were forced to trade the known for the unknown until uncertainty became commonplace. They had to make difficult decisions as to how they would literally survive. And life as they had known it forever changed in just six chapters in your Bible. Six chapters. In Acts chapter 2, man, there's excitement. There is joy. In Acts chapter 8, there is fear. There is anxiety and worry. 
And I just wonder what life has been like for you. How has the last six days been? Or how about the last six weeks? What about the last six months or, or six years? What has that time period brought to you? Maybe, maybe you, just like me, you've been dealing with some major life challenges. You might not have been forced to leave your home, but maybe you have struggled with how to pay for the home that you have. You, you might not be afraid of another person, but maybe you are afraid of another doctor visit or, or another bill or another election. Perhaps like those first followers of Jesus, you don't know what's going to happen next. And you are uncomfortable. And you are unsure. There's no Lego map. There's no connect the dots where you're able to kind of put everything together. There are no assurances. There are no absolutes. And you're stepping across this threshold into something new. And whether on the other side of that door is a new relationship or, or maybe a new child or a new career or maybe it means a new address or just a new way of doing business, you don't exactly know what that next step or that next day or that next text message is actually going to bring. You're in that space between. And here's the thing. What I want to do over these next few weeks, I want to encourage you not to fight not to flee, and not to be fearful and freeze. I want to encourage you to embrace your space. All right? I want to encourage you to embrace the space that you are in. You see, because we're all here, no matter the age that we are, no matter the demographic that we come from. We're all in that, in that kind, of, kind of middle time. Oh, there's a few of us that are a part of our church family. All, the only world they know is the world that is, okay? They don't know the world that it was, but for the majority of you, especially those who are here in this room today, and I chose to talk about this in this way, knowing that, that our teens and some of our younger people were going to be gone today. Because I wanted to be able to truly be able to focus in on those of you who are in that middle space, who remember the canopy, who remember the world that was, and who are struggling with what to do now in this new world that is. I want you to embrace your space. Because I think that's what those believers in Jesus did. Life as they had known it forever was forever changed. But what did not change was their belief and their trust in God. So we're told in Acts 8 and verse 4 then, that after they were scattered, after they went out into Judea and into Samaria, we're told that they preached the good news about Jesus everywhere that they went. They went into a new space that they did not understand, that they went, some of them, into new cultures, that they did not speak the language of the culture, and yet they went into it with this trust in God and saying, I've got a message. And maybe people asked them, it was like, what's going on in this, in this world? What's going on with all of you Jewish followers of, of this Jesus Messiah? And they were like, I don't know what's going on, but can I tell you about Jesus? What is this? Well, what's happening now with your family? You've had to leave your business behind. What are you going to do? I don't know, but can I tell you about Jesus? And, and you've, got, you've got to be worried about, about what's going to come next. Oh, I've got concerns, but instead of talking about that, can I talk to you about the good news of Jesus Christ? You see, as the mobs chased the followers of Jesus from Jerusalem, 
God poured them out onto the world. And everywhere they went, they went and said, hey, I've got good news. But things have changed. I know, but I've got good news. But, but this world that is is not the world that was. I understand that, but I've got good news. And when people heard their message, and when they witnessed their healing and their compassion, and everything they brought into their new neighborhood, we are told in Acts 8 and verse 8 that there was great joy. That when the Christians showed up, into the new neighborhood, into the new space, the people of that neighborhood rejoiced because they were there. Wouldn't that be something? Let me stop right here and make the point that every transition and every adjustment and every crossroad and, and every U-turn and every space in between, every gray area, every doorway experience is the opportunity for God to impact that space through you. Every one of them. So you're moving on, or you're moving up, or you're moving out. The world is, is changing around you. You now have the opportunity to be a catalyst for change in a new neighborhood and space. You have the opportunity to announce good news perhaps to individuals or to a whole community that otherwise would never know what the good news of Jesus truly means. And I get it. You're unsure about what's going to, to happen next. But guess what? You can still praise God and share the name of Jesus in this space in between. You can. In fact, here's what I'm going to do. I want to share with you three things that you can do right now. Right now, where you are, and we're going to expand on all three of these in the weeks to come. So I'm just going to kind of brush over them quickly here this morning. But we're going to expand on this. But I just want to introduce to you three things that, that will change you, your space, and how you view what happens next. All right? Here's the first one. I'm going to say this, then you're going to repeat it after me because I want to make sure that everybody's focused in. You ready? Pray where you are. Say it with me. Pray, Pray where you are. Now look, I'm not talking about location. I'm not talking about location. I'm talking about life station. I'm talking about guys being able to passionately pray about what is taking place in your life right now. You know, preaching is great, and I enjoy good preachers, and I try to be one of those. But the heavens are not moved by preachers. The heavens are moved by prayers. Prayers who have prayers believing and trusting in a great God. You see, the prayers of the people of God are what have impact. It's why Paul says in Romans 12, in verse 12, to be constant in prayer. You've heard that he had written another space, pray without what? Ceasing. You say, but I don't know how to pray. I've heard this a lot. I don't know how to pray. And my answer to you is this. Yes, you do. You do. You know how to pray. You've just been convinced that there's some secret sauce. You have been. You see, we have become so accustomed to church prayers. Church prayers. You've heard before, maybe you've grown up in churches where so-and-so was asked to come and quote, lead a prayer. Lead a prayer. 
I never read in Scripture about anybody being asked to lead in prayer, but I see all over Scripture people being told to be constant in prayer. We become accustomed to church prayers. And because of that, we have forgotten about closet prayers. And so while you are in this space, I would love for you to be able to embrace the idea, again, of closet praying. One of the, one of the trips that I took during this last month took me to the home of some good friends of mine that I've actually known since I was a little kid. Uh, our parents were were uh, friends of one another. In fact, my, uh, my mom and dad used to, used to babysit um, this one uh, lady who she and her husband now are, are, I call friends of mine. And so I've known them for, for many years, and they've always been encouragers to me. And so I just went and, and spent three days with them drinking sweet tea and, and just talking about uh, life and just, just enjoying being able to catch up. But uh, when I got there and they were giving me a tour of their new home, we went to we went to a room in the house that uh, she used as her office space. And she pointed out a window that was, was there in the office. And she said, now this right here, she said, now this right here is, is my prayer window. And she said, this is where I start my morning. Every day, I go to this window to look out over God's creation and, and I just talk. I just talk with God. And she said, I, I, I've been doing this now for a little over a year. And she said, I can't really describe what an impact it has made on my life. Closet prayers. You don't have to be in front of a window. You don't have to be locked in the closet. But, but there's a place that you can pray continually. I don't know about you, but I've always been shocked when I have read the prayers of the men and women of Scripture. I've been shocked by their haunting honesty and their shameless solicitations. I mean, some of the prayers, when you read through the Bible, are absolutely terrifying. I mean, the, the men and women of Scripture, they speak to God as if they not only believe that God is listening, but they actually expect that God is going to act and show up and do something. They say, God, what are you doing? And they say, God, I need your help. God, I can't make it because the walls are closing in. God, they ask, when are you going to rise up? And God, when are you going to strike down? And, and God, when are you going to avenge? And, and God, when are you going to comfort? And God, show yourself to be mighty. And Father, I'm so confused, and I don't know what to do now. I need your help. They prayed in the space that they were in. And in whatever space you find yourself today, I hope that you will dedicate yourself to vibrantly and passionately praying where you are. Talk to God about what burdens you. Talk to God about what you're passionate about. Talk to God about all the things that you see going on around you, in your home and in your neighborhood and in your classroom and in your office and in your country. You pray where you are and you anticipate that God will make a difference in your midst. And he will. We'll talk about more with that next week. Here's the second thing you can do right now. You can do it right now. You love who you can. You love who you can. Say that with me. Ready? Love who you can. Change happens one relationship at a time. One relationship at a time. And it can be overwhelming to see the injustice 
and inequity in our society and in our world and think, what in the world can I do? I mean, what, what can I do about, about things that I see happening in, in the world that now is? Well, change happens one relationship at a time. And your responsibility is to make a difference in the life of the people, in the lives of the people, that God has brought within your sphere of influence. Your sphere of influence. Sometimes we get in this mindset and we talk about how that, well, I would love to change X or I'd love to change Y, but what can I do right here and right, and right now? Well, you love whoever's within your sphere of influence. You, you love who you can right here where you can. But here's the deal. Because of the world that is now, your sphere of influence is much larger than it was in the world that was. In the world that was, your sphere of influence was basically kind of, it was your family and, and it was somebody you were in school with and maybe somebody that was there at the office with you, somebody that, that you saw down the ball field. It was a very confined group of people that you could love. But now, in this world that is... Man, with all the connections that we're able to have and, and all the ways that we're able to reach out and touch somebody, your ability to impact your space has just grown exponentially. So Jesus once asked, or once had a lawyer ask his opinion on what the greatest command in Scripture was, and he was looking for a plan, but instead Jesus gave him a purpose, and he said, love God with every fiber of your being. And in the same breath, Jesus told the man that he should love his neighbor just as he loved himself. He said, you love God and you love people, and it's as simple as that. But author Bob Goff reminds us that what is simple often isn't easy, and what is easy often doesn't last. No one expects us to love flawlessly, he writes, but we can love fearlessly, furiously, and unreasonably. And we're going to expand on this in about two weeks. And so if, if you're making your vacation plans, you're like, man, I'm going to be gone next week. Hey, in two weeks, we're going to talk about what, it, what does it actually mean to love who you can? Because everybody has their own kind of definitions of that. And so I'm going to share with you some ideas. Here's the last one. Last thing that we can do right here and right now. We can give what we have. Give what we have. Say that with me. Ready? Give what you have. Now, I've said it before, and, and I'm just going to keep saying it, and I know you guys could probably um, say it for me, but God is not interested in what you would do with what you do not have. He's not interested in what you would do with what you do not have, but he is very interested in what you do with all that you have been given. So wherever you find yourself today, give. Give, and it will make a difference. Now, some of you will make a difference with your money. And maybe that's what you've been doing here. You have been giving. But let me be honest with you. A lot of you have not been giving. All you got to do is look on the back of our, our bulletin. We're almost $100,000 behind in our giving for 2023. Not trying to be negative and Debbie Downer. I'm just telling you kind of how things are. And there are a lot of you who have sacrificed and you said, I'm going to give so that the different works, the different ministries, and the different impact of this church can continue to go out from Chattanooga and touch people here and in Tennessee and other parts even of the world. And we appreciate you giving in that. But there are some who have been enjoying the product 
but not participating in the production. And so I just want, I just want to encourage you that, that look, if, if you're wondering what can I do right now in, in this space, you can make a difference with your money. Yes, there's a lot of places and things that you can do with that money, but I can guarantee you that your generosity here will go a long way. And if you're looking for ways in order to be able to impact people with the community or have the community of God impact those who need God, then I want to encourage you to drop something in the box that's out there as you're leaving or go online to eastbrainerchurch.org and, and, and sign up to, to have something taken out each, each week or each month or give a special giving, something like that. I would love for you to give and make a difference with your money right here and in this space. Some of you are going to make a difference with your home. Your hospitality will be greatly appreciated. You're going to give people a welcome, and you're going to say, come on in and drink some sweet tea with me. I want you to come on in and have this space, and I want you to be able to relax and enjoy, and I want you to be able to laugh, and I want you to be able to make memories. Some of you are going to make a difference with your time because your presence is what really is needed. And you need to give it to others so that they know that they are not alone in this time, in this in-between world. And they need for you to show up. And maybe it's just to show up and help unload a U-Haul. Or, or maybe it's a time for you to show up and to pray with them at their window. Maybe it's a time that you show up at a ball game. You, you show up at the hospital. Maybe it's a time that you just show up and sit beside them in a space just like this. But your presence, your time makes a difference. Some of you are going to make a difference with your stove because you're going to cook and you're going to provide some food for people who it's just a blessing when all of a sudden that, that casserole dish or, or whatever it is comes to their door. You're going to make a difference with your car. You're going to be carrying people to and from spaces. You're going to make a difference with your phone as you're going to be sending texts and you're going to be making phone calls and you're going to be reminding people that you're not alone and I'm checking on you and I care about you. Friends, you give what you have. And you don't sit around and say, well, I would do this if I had this. No, God has said, I have blessed you and gifted you in order for you to make an impact. So each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, Peter says, as faithful stewards of God's grace in all of its various forms. And in three weeks, you might want to miss that sermon, okay? In three weeks, we're going to talk about giving what you have. And if you're already going, oh, I don't know about that. Chris got a little fired up on that section. We're going to come back and talk about it. I promise it's in a good way. Friends, every transition and every adjustment and every crossroad and, and every U-turn and, and every space that's in between, every doorway that you stand in is an opportunity for greater kingdom impact. Because you and I, I really believe this, we were created by God to be his catalyst for change. You were not created to take up space, but to make a difference in the space that you are in. That's why you are here. That's why you, you have breath in this moment and in this time. But understand, you cannot change the space that you're in until you allow God to make a change in you. God needs to make a change in you. Because for many of us, we are in this doorway and we are so frightened about the world that is to come that we are just so bound by anxiety that we are frozen. And we're just taking up space. And for others of us, again, we're so upset because the world that was is leaving and this new world is not what we're used to. And so we become angry and our heart has become hardened. And God needs to make a change with that. And others of us, we're just trying to run away. 
and just bury our head in the sand and hoping that it will just all stop and that we'll wake up one day and everything will be like it was. The men and women who brought joy throughout Judea and Samaria, they have been shaped and they have been molded by the person and the message and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. They had surrendered their will to God and they had pledged their allegiance to his kingdom and they were changed because of it. Now look, they were still carpenters and they were still fishermen and they were still husbands and wives and they were still sons and daughters and they were still imperfect and they still had sins that they struggled with but they were no longer controlled and condemned by them because they were changed and they were living examples of what a difference a life with Jesus can make. And when they stepped through the doorway into whatever was to come next in their life, the space that they inhabited, this in-between space that they were forced to live in was never the same. And praise God for that. Otherwise, you would not be here this morning. You understand, if they had not embraced the space that they were in, if they had not gone everywhere sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and saying there is a Messiah, there is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and no matter what space that you are in, he can save you, you would not be here today. Because that message would have never made it into your heart. Things are different today, guys, than they were in 1995. The world operates by a different set of rules. Some are better, but some are worse. And the heightened anxiety and stress that you may have felt over these last few years, it's not in your head. You need to turn to your spouse and say, I told you. Now, the voice is in your head. I can't say anything about that. But the anxiety and stress, it's not in your head. It's real. We are walking through a doorway as a society and as a world, and none of us truly know what is on the other side. And add to that all of the natural life changes that come our way as we age and as we move into different seasons of life, it can become very easy to be overwhelmed. And when you inject this level of anxiety into a society that already is insisting on moving away from their acknowledgement of God, well, then individuals of that society begin to feel that their future is just hopeless and it's void of meaning. But I want you to hear something today. That is not your future. It's not your future. Because you have a purpose. And you have a mission in this world. That no matter your age or your expertise, no matter your bank account or your education, no matter your past, no matter your present, as a follower of Jesus, you've been called to pray where you are and to love who you can. You've been called to give what you have so that you can be God's change in your space. You've been called. You've been called to be God's change in your space. So don't run. Don't hide. Don't fight. Embrace your space. Father, will you give us the strength to do that this morning? Will you give us the strength as we are standing in the doorway not to, not to be overcome with anxiety and dread because of what we do not know and what we cannot see? Would you be able to tamp down the temperature and the passion that that some of us feel because, man, we liked the world as it was.
And we don't like the things that we're seeing in the world that is. We you tamp down that temperature, Father, so that we might be able to have impact in the space where we're at? And Father, will you allow us not to just bury our head in the sand and, and just hope and pray that somehow that it's all just been kind of a bad dream. Instead, Father, will, will, you allow us, will you allow us not only to embrace the space that we are in, but will you allow us to step boldly into whatever world there is to come? Because we trust in you. Increase our trust. Father, fill us with faith. Allow your spirit to live through us so that we can embrace this space and so that it can be changed in the name of your son and our savior, Jesus Christ. And we say amen. Friends, if you need to respond this morning for whatever might be on your heart, we're going to sing I Surrender All. We encourage you to come. If you'd rather just talk with somebody in the back, we have a prayer room that's in our lobby. You can just have some personal time, maybe a little closet prayer opportunity. Whatever your need, as we sing I Surrender All, surrender the space that you are in to God and allow him to change it through you. Let's stand and give him praise.